and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing, your e-commerce advertising specialists. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to say a quick thank you for all your support with our launch last week. I've been amazed at your support and so grateful. In this episode, we talked to Suki Van Coverden, founder of Origami Globe. If you've ever wanted to run a competition or have run competitions in the past, this episode is for you. We dive deep into competition strategy and how to make competitions work for you so they actually bring a profit at the end of the day. No vanity metrics here. So let's get into it. Welcome to episode four. Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Today we are here with Suki Van Coverden. She is a marketing nerd and lover of all things competition and giveaway. She started Origami Globe in 2015 to help marketers and business owners run compelling competitions to get results beyond vanity metrics. Welcome, Suki. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so glad to have you. Before we get started, can you please explain to everyone why you're in a ball gown? (laughs) (laughs) One indeed. So I said to Dana before recording, is there going to be video and do I need to do anything specific? And she was like, nope, but I want you to wear a ball gown. So (laughs) I wore a ball gown because that's just my sense of humor. (laughs) Awesome. So we are very appreciative of your dedication and you look beautiful in your ball gown. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's a shame that you guys won't get to see it because there is we'll, a video, um, but have to get some photos. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, can you tell us a little bit about Origami Globe and how you became the competition expert? Yes. So, Origami Globe is heading into its fifth year as we speak. And basically, when I used to work in corporate, I used to run competitions, nationwide and international competitions, for really big names like Double AMI, Disney, and Doritos and Pepsi. And they, I mean, basically they just didn't need the results. I mean, they already had the sales, they already had at the time followers was the big thing. And they just, you know, I just saw so much potential for small businesses and medium businesses and marketing managers and business owners to benefit from my knowledge that I gained from working with these guys. So yeah, five years ago, I packed up my desk and started Origami Globe thought that I'd probably stick to travel pricing, but found that people just loved my strategic knowledge and how I kind of put things together and connect the dots. So yeah, that's how Origami Global was born. Amazing. Amazing. Obviously you've run competitions for a huge array of different kinds of brands. We're here a little bit more about the the e-commerce side of things. That's what the the focus of the podcast is. How specifically can a competition help, you know, an e-commerce brand over say, you know, Disney and Doritos and those sorts of companies? Yeah, so I'd say that competitions can work for any business, but they work especially well for e-commerce businesses because the nature of competitions people have come to expect as an entrant are usually online. You know, mm-hmm. gone are the days that you'd, you'd write to an address with a self-addressed envelope and fill in your entry and that kind of thing. So everything is online these days. E-commerce stores are online. The best kind of prize you can give away is your own product or service so if you're online running an online competition giving away your own product or service it's super easy for them to just go to your site to enter browse through your products and generally we find that the way that we set competitions up that sales are generated during the competition as well as after the competition yeah so it's it's just a perfect way to spread awareness about your brand and generate sales and yeah, just hit a few marketing goals at once. 
Yeah, because I have seen like there's been a couple of companies that have obviously launched their business on the back of a competition. There's been some spectacular launches and I suppose some spectacular disasters that even made the media in that kind of startup space. But how is, I suppose, a a competition different for someone in the, the startup phase of a business? In the startup phase, I think competitions are really unique because if you're familiar with sales funnels, you've got the awareness, consideration, conversion. And I was having a chat about this with another marketer and we were talking about how competitions are really unique because you can skip the awareness and the consideration and go straight for the conversion. You know, there's enough incentive there that people are willing to give away their email address straight away or whatever else the entry method is. So for startups, it's an absolutely perfect way to just get straight in there with sales, get straight in there with building an email list. And especially with the sales aspect, because you're building a relationship with them during the competition, if you run, say, a four-week competition, we would expect you to send emails within that four weeks after they've entered. So you're constantly nurturing your audience. You're nurturing them on on social media through the post. You're, you know, if you're asking, for example, for people to submit photos, you may be reposting those photos throughout the competitions. You're creating engagement and a relationship with your audience right from the get-go and you're kind of setting expectations as to what kind of relationship they can expect from you as your customer and then obviously at the end of the competition you've got that straight in to go and get a sale so it's kind of perfect for that I mean it works for mostly any scenario but it's really perfect for startups yeah amazing so you I mean you can almost use that competition to launch a business you know, yeah. a lot of businesses try and, you know, start with, you know, Facebook ads and they come to someone like me to do that. But I almost think it would be better to come to someone like you and, you know, start with a competition to kind of get that initial awareness, build your email list, those sorts of things. Would you agree? Yeah. And it works really perfect if you've set up the Facebook pixel on your site. So we always, always recommend people to enter a competition on your actual website. You can get them to enter on social media, but you're renting your audience on social media. So if you're relying purely on organic reach and you're not bringing them to your website to purchase, you're not bringing them to your website to insert their email address, you're you're just renting them. If Facebook disappears tomorrow, you've lost access to that audience. So by bringing them to your website, if you've got the pixel installed, you're you're pre-building the audiences in your ads manager, you're collecting data about them through ads manager and Google Analytics, which is going to help you to market to them afterwards. But it's also the big thing about building a email database. So especially if you choose enter email to win as an entry method, which is probably the most popular type of competition we run, especially for e-commerce, because it's so easy to generate sales with emails afterwards. Then you've got your list that you can then again enter into Facebook ads afterwards as a target list, but also as a lookalike list. So it's just they work so well together you've just got a bit more insight from running a competition first that can help inform your ad strategy later. Yeah, wonderful. So obviously that's obviously really helpful for a startup business and I imagine a lot of that crosses over. Is there any big differences between, you know, running a competition for a small startup and, you know, maybe a really big existing business? Probably the only difference would be the fact that a bigger business would have more information about their audience. So they would be able to run a more informed competition. It wouldn't be so much a focus on building a database and gathering intelligence. It would be more a focus probably on conversion. So you'd be driving the existing audience you've already got as a big business to convert into a sale as the entry method, for example. You can also try some more because you've built up that relationship with the audience as a bigger business that's been around for longer. 
you can try a few more unique entry methods such as submit photos to win or, you know, tell us in 25 words or less, that kind of thing. But also things like surveys, like, you know, if you've been in business for five or 10 years and you're thinking about releasing a new product range and you want some intel on what your audience actually want from you, the perfect way is through an incentivized competition survey. And because you're a bigger business versus a startup, you've already got the audience there. They're already warm. They're really likely to convert into a survey respondent. So mm. it's probably just the entry methods and the type of competition, the goal for your competition, you probably focus on conversion as a bigger business. Yeah, awesome. Because I suppose there's so many different kinds of competitions that you can run. I mean, we see kind of a rinse and repeat of the same style of competition quite regularly, but I suppose that's kind of unlimited in terms of what you can do and what you can offer depending on your goals. Yeah, definitely. So probably a big piece of advice to people listening would be to match your entry method to the goal you want to achieve. And that sounds really obvious when you think about it. If you want to build your social following, get them to enter on social media. If you want to build your email list, choose an email to enter style competition. It sounds really obvious that people kind of forget that there's a goal to running a competition and get lost in the excitement of running it and seeing all the entries flood in and picking their winner and choosing the best entries, that kind of thing. If you keep your goal in mind, then that's going to shape the rest of your competition. So it's really, really important to always have that at the back of your mind. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, So obviously that's going to be a really important thing and that may be the answer to the next question. But what would you say are like the most important things you need to know before running a competition? So there's probably seven things that we would focus on before a competition. Um, That would be what we would call the strategy. So we would focus on the goal. So most people will come and say, oh, you know, we just want more sales and, you know, followers would be nice and I don't know what's possible. And then we have a conversation with them and we drill a a bit deeper into what they actually need from their competition. Having a goal of brand awareness, for example, is great. If you've already got the audience, you've already got the email list, you're already getting sales, you've already got really good conversion rate. But brand awareness is kind of like a free bonus gift that you get with every competition. So we kind of chat through that in depth and get to the actual goal behind the goal so that we're really pinpoint focused on the outcome for the competition. Once we know that, we can then focus on who we want to enter, what we're going to say to them. Do you have any key messaging or taglines? Are you rebranding? Do you want to communicate who your target audience is so that you will only attract your target audience, for example? So I've already mentioned goal, demographic, messaging, then we'd focus on budget and timing. So, you know, if you're about to go on annual leave over Christmas and you're going to be away for four weeks, you're not going to run a competition over Christmas, even though it's a key time to run one. Then there's also your entry method and your prize as well. So like I said before, marrying your entry method to your goal to make sure that you're receiving entries that are relevant and your prize. And I think I've already mentioned before, but choosing your own product or service as the prize is always the best way forward. And other than that, Packaging. Packaging is a really powerful way to get more entries and expand to new audiences, especially for e-commerce businesses. So say, for example, you have a linen business like doona covers and pillowcases, that kind of thing. You partner with a mattress company and a candle company and a bed frame company and you package up this amazing best night's sleep you will ever have in the world package for a competition even though each individual element of that package may be worth, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, 
the perception of that package as a whole that they cannot buy anywhere else other than going to those individual suppliers is so much greater than the dollar value of its individual parts. So you generally find that you'll get a lot of entries and a lot of conversion and a lot of, you know, you'll expand to the audiences of the partner businesses that you're working with who are relevant to your business and your e-commerce store. Yeah, amazing. So I suppose with e-commerce businesses, it's quite easy in terms of picking that price because obviously you would always recommend that they pick the price to be their product or even to package and bundle it. Is there any situation, I mean, obviously you see lots of competitions where people are suggesting to, you know, win iPads and holidays and things. Are they always not a great idea or is there a way to fit those in somewhere? Donna, I swear to God, if I had a dollar (laughs) for every iPad, win an iPad competition or win an iPhone or win an iMac or in any eye product, I would be such a rich woman. (laughs) I would just say this, you are not Apple, do not give away an iPhone or an iPad. If you were Apple, give away an iPhone or an iPad. (laughs) The telling part is, Apple never give away an iPhone or an iPad. (laughs) They don't even give it away for their own business. And the problem with that is everyone's probably sat there thinking, I've done that before, I've seen that, or I've entered a competition, exactly. You have entered possibly a competition at your local hairdresser to win an iPad. And if you're a dude sat there who, you know, went along with your partner or your family to this hairdressing salon and you saw this competition to win an iPad and thought, yeah, I'd love an iPad, you're not their target demographic. You've just submitted an entry, will possibly be picked as the winner, and they're not going to get any further money from you. You're Then you're not going to become a client. So iPads have such universal appeal to everyone. They attract entries from everyone. And everyone is not your target demographic. So give away your own products for your own store. They will most likely browse the products on your site to see what they're in in for a chance to win and fall in love with your products and probably make a purchase during or after the competition. So why would you promote someone else's product? That It's something that completely baffles me. And again, it sounds really obvious talking about it. But it's something other people just don't take into consideration. They think iPads, wide appeal, going to get heaps of entries. Yeah, I suppose if your product's a little bit uh, lower end or you, you know, maybe don't think it's as exciting or doesn't have as much dollar value, it can be a little bit tempting to go, oh, well, I'll give away an iPad that's more exciting. But I suppose that's where I suppose your, your packaging idea comes really into play where you can say, well, package your product with, you know, some other companies uh, and that really can kind of amp up the value. Yeah, totally. And I'd also challenge people and say, do people pay for your product already? Yes. So why wouldn't they want to win it for free? It doesn't matter if it's worth $2 or $200,000. If people are buying it, they want to win it for free. <laughs> they want to be on your mailing list to find out more about it. People so, like free things. <laughs> exactly. And one of the most successful competitions I've seen run by a small business was to give away a $30 night light because it was aimed at parents who have young children who get up multiple times in the night to go to the toilet. This nightlight is a saver. It's low battery, it's LED, you just pop it and it it turns on. And it just went like wildfire, it went viral because it suits the demographic, it suits their target audience and would have generated sales, heaps of sales after the competition because everyone's like, that's a freaking amazing idea and it's only 30 bucks. Yeah, and I suppose the people that are entering that, I mean, it's an only a $30 product. So if you're not really interested, you're not going to enter. So the people that would be entering that would be super interested. So then even if you did like an offer or something at the end of it or retargeted them with some Facebook ads down the track, you're much more likely to get a sale from that. 
Exactly. And speaking about the Facebook ads piece as well, you're also building a more relevant audience. If you give away an iPad, you're going to build an audience of everyone interested in iPad. You're not going to build someone who's interested in nightlights or parenthood. Like you, you need to be building an audience with your competition that's relevant for your sales and marketing strategy and business goals afterwards. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Do you have any other examples of, you know, really interesting competitions that have been run that you thought were really successful? Or not successful, but you can learn lessons from them. <laughs> You've seen uh, lots of not successful ones, I know. <laughs> yes, uh, one comes to mind immediately, which is the problem they had is they, they just weren't getting entries. And when you don't get entries, and people listening may have experienced this before if they've attempted to run competitions, you don't get entries for four main reasons. You're not targeting the right people, you're not targeting enough people your page is not optimized to convert or it's just plain confusing and the entry method just doesn't fit what you're offering to win. So if you can address those four things, then you can fix your competition. So I suppose for me, there's no such thing as a failed competition. There's just heaps of learnings and these learnings can apply throughout your business after the competition and outside of the competition as well. You know, if you're getting a hundred visitors an hour to your e-commerce store and or to the specific competition page and you're only getting one entry, you need to work on the conversion of that page and you can apply those learnings across your entire site, not just the competition. So if you're getting a thousand visitors to a specific product, you've had no sales yet and it's the most visited page on your site something is wrong, something is not converting into money there. So you need to address that straight away. And competitions are great for highlighting that. Yeah. So that's like the negative side of things. But the positive, um, probably one of my favorite recent examples would be a brand that we helped to launch via a Kickstarter. So they wanted to build an audience before they actually went into production of their product and launched their e-commerce store. So they came to us and we developed a competition that would build an audience ahead of their Kickstarter launch. And for anyone who's out there with a product that may be thinking of using a Kickstarter or has used a Kickstarter, you'll know that conversion can be quite low from an email list. So we had to work really hard to ensure that we got really quality entrance to the competition, entrance to the email list. We actually ran it as a Facebook lead ad. So we collected entries via that and the, the lead ad was also posted to their page. Yeah, and they managed to get an audience of about 3,000 ahead of launch. They hit their goal, which was amazing. Everyone was, you know, really celebrating that. And their competition or their their overall backers for the Kickstarter campaign, 26% came from the competition. So that showed that hit the nail on the head in terms of the demographic, that people that were entering the competition weren't just entering for the sake of entering a competition. They were interested in seeing this product succeed. So competitions and Kickstarters can go really well hand in hand. Just be careful some platforms don't allow over competitions on their platform. You have to use them cleverly beforehand to build the audience that you then use for the Kickstarter. That's a good thing to know. I mean, this, I suppose you obviously help businesses to run these competitions. That's the, the core of what Origami Globe does. When... Obviously, a lot of our listeners might not have huge budgets and things. In what situations would someone, you know, DIY a competition versus, you know, come hire someone like yourself to, you know, run everything for them? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. I would say if it's your first competition, you don't really know what to expect and you've got a bit of a low budget, DIYing a competition is a great way to learn where you're going to need help, which means that you're going to 
if you do come to us to get help with your competition. Obviously, we can pinpoint exactly where we're going to bring the best value to your brand. But I would say that if you're just starting out and you do have a low budget, try and do as much as you can yourself because you're going to learn an incredible amount of your, about your business throughout the process. You know, who exactly is your target demographic and who isn't? A lot of the time throughout the competition, we kind of challenge the assumptions of the business owner because they think their target demographic is someone and it turns out through the data that it's actually someone completely different or similar that they had never thought of before. Like, for example, linking um, linking soft drinks with craft beer. Like, you wouldn't assume soft drink being non-alcoholic and craft beer being alcoholic, but there's a big interest in a crossover interest, and that was something that came out of the ads that we ran for the competition as well. So that was really good data for us to have. Yeah, amazing. So... When would someone come to you and then, you know, I know you've got a couple of different packages. When would someone come to you for one of, you know, your, your big packages? Yeah, the main difference between our DIY and done for you is obviously the expertise of the team that we have here who are running the campaign for you. So if you've got a lot of time to invest in the competition, DIY is perfect for you. If you're really, really busy and you've got a million and one things to do, and I know you're probably nodding your head because that's every business owner, right? (laughs) Especially with e-commerce because there's so many more aspects you have to take into account. It's not just delivery of your time in a service-based business. You know, you've got all the distribution and you've got all the manufacturing and everything else that goes with it. So I would say that if if you want to hand it over completely or if you need someone who can come in and say, you can really maximize this if you connect this dot and this dot and this dot. And I suppose that's where my particular forte is. I'm really, really strong at looking at a situation from the 35,000 foot view and going, oh, hey, did you ever think about connecting this and this? They would work really well as a competition and we expect the outcome to be this many entries or you know whatever. So it's just having someone there with an analytical and strategic mind to connect the parts of your business you're too in the woods to see the trees so to speak so yeah it's really about maximizing the competition and you invest so much time and money and brain space into running any marketing campaign competition or otherwise so you want to make sure that the payoff is there so we are really focused on ROI if we can make a a company more money than they've spent on running the competition for us that's a success yeah I think that's why you guys are so good at what you do because you're not obsessed with you know vanity metrics and you know, just getting a like for a like's sake. I think that's why you, you know, deliver such powerful competitions for people. Yeah, thank you. Is there anything else that we should know about competitions for e-commerce before we move on to our, our last questions for the podcast? The big thing covered a lot. Yeah, give away your own product or service. Get people away from social media. That is such a temptation to keep them on social media because there's the social proof and the engagement. And I mean, it just feels good to see your page get lots of likes and comments, but At the end of the day, it's so much harder to convert them into a paying customer. So get them to your website. They're going to get your brand awareness through seeing your logo and your colors and your shop layout. They're going to become familiar with your basket, you know, add to basket process and checkout process. So they're they're just more likely to convert next time. So yeah, bring them to your site and get help if you need it. I mean, there's a lot of free resources on our website and on the blog. And there's also really affordable, the DIY products that we were talking about earlier. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And we also have a a free consult if you do want to book in and just have a chat through and say, I'm completely lost when it comes to this thing. Can you just give me a pointer? We're more than happy to do that. Like, If your competition succeeds, 
you give a better reputation to competitions overall. So we love helping you succeed with your competition. Wonderful. Love it. Well, let's move on to a little bit more business, personal things about you personally. Do you have any secret strategies or routines that you follow each day to help you stay on track in your business? Oh, Dani, you know me. I'm full of <laughs> strategies. <laughs> we get a spreadsheet. <laughs> if it can go on a spreadsheet, it's on a spreadsheet. I don't know. I think of late, I've probably come to appreciate the simple things a little bit more. So it's really easy to overcomplicate business and to get lost in all the things you have to do. So I would say pick one thing and do it really, really well, whether it's a Facebook ad campaign, whether it's a competition or whether it's just nailing your systems and processes. So you've got a really smooth customer experience when they check out on your website. Pick one thing and nail it first, then move on. Don't try and do a little bit of everything really badly. Yeah. That's probably a big takeaway from the last couple of years in business. Yeah, amazing. Your favorite business book? Oh, that's a hard one. There's quite a few. Um, you know I'm a big fan of Profit First. Yes. Uh, I think that's brilliant. I think everything that Mike, Michaelowitz, I'm really sorry if I said your name wrong, he's a great author. He's really funny and approachable, but he's, he's been through it and he's been a business owner. It's really hard to identify with authors who aren't business owners and they're just kind of like, you know, you're a coach, but you've never had a business. How does that work? Yeah. There's also a great book called When by Daniel Pink. So these are the two books I'm looking at on my desk right now, the two books I have on my desk. So that was When by Daniel Pink. And especially for e-commerce businesses, actually, there's a lot in there about time, timing and time of day, time of year, seasons that influence purchasing behavior. And even just when you schedule your meetings. So I know that I'm better in the morning. So I schedule most of my meetings for the morning because I'm more bright eyed. I don't have a million and one tasks on my mind yet. In the afternoon, I generally need a coffee. <laughs> so I, I tend to pick off the easy tasks like clearing my inbox and stuff like that. So that was really good to get that from that book by Daniel. Yeah, those are probably my two that I've read recently and really loved. Wonderful. I'll have to read that second one. We'll put the, the names and authors in the show notes for everyone as well. Favourite podcast? Well, obviously this one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few that I listen to. Obviously, I love Stevie Says Social. I've um, been on her podcast before. She gives so many great tips. There's probably the smaller ones I really like. But for fun, I would say that the QI podcasts are really good. You can always learn something. It's always really good to switch your mind off sometimes yes. from business and just listen. You don't have to fun. just listen to business podcasts. I've got friends who listen to all of the the true crime podcasts. Oh yeah, no, That's I can't say listen to. No, they're too but... <laughs> <laughs> There's also a brilliant podcast. I don't know if it's still available. I listened to it a while ago, but it's Seth Godin's Startup or Seth Godin's Business School. I think it's yep. Startup School. And it's a really short series of episodes. And I think it was a conference or an event that he ran. And it's kind of audio snippets from that. But there's so many nuggets of gold in there. And it's the kind of thing you can listen to whether you're in your first week, your first year, your 10th year, your 50th year of business. There's always something that you can take from that. You can always be developing yourself as a business owner and your business as well. Yeah, amazing. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to reach you? Shoot me an email, Suki, that's S-U-K-I at origamiglobe.com. Head to our website, origamiglobe.com, and we're also on social. I'm trying to be a little bit more social on social. You'll see my ball gown <laughs> <laughs> on social today. Um, it probably won't be, be there still by the time you listen to this, but yeah, socials. I love interacting with people on socials, so yeah. Love it. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We have loved having you here, and 
have a wonderful day in your ball gown. You too. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode of the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Don't forget, we load all of the links, show notes, full transcripts onto our website. So you can find everything at www.brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash show notes forward slash episode and the number three. We'll also pop the link in the episode description for you. If you like the show, I'd love for you to leave a review. We're brand new, so each review helps us to grow our audience, which means we can get more amazing guests for you to listen to. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be releasing episodes every Tuesday morning from here on then. So I will see you then. Thank you.